last September, Rita and I uh, went, went to California to vacation. Her mom had lived there for, uh, for a number of years with her stepdad. And so, uh, the, actually, the last two years, we've gone back in September. Uh, and it's kind of a time to get away and enjoy, but also kind of a time to remember uh, remember her mom and her stepdad and, and a lot of good things that, that happened for us there. Had, had several family vacations uh, there in Seal Beach, California. So, so we went back. And, and enjoyed that time. One of the things that we did, Rita loves the beach as, as well as I do, and, and so we went to the beach every day or just about every day. Uh, it was a little chilly last September, unfortunately, so we didn't, uh, uh, we didn't get in the, well, Rita never gets in the ocean anyway, but I didn't get in the ocean except for this. We, we'd take walks on the beach, and I would, I would get in and brave it just far enough to feel the waves uh, crash over me, to take my shoes off and let the waves hit me, and I just... I just love that, and and when I do, I can't help but to remember back, and uh, to to the very first time that I saw the ocean. It was April of 1981. Reed and I, with another couple, had traveled to Florida. We went to Melbourne Beach, Florida, and for the first time, I saw the ocean. They had all seen the ocean before many times. The biggest body of water I had seen was my grandpa's farm pond. He built a built a really nice big pond, and whoo, it was nice and. And sometimes when wind blew, little waves would, you know, would slap the shore. And, and so when I saw the ocean, it was just like, wow, couldn't believe it. And I stood almost with you know, a gas a little bit watching the waves crash in there on the, the east coast of, of Florida. And, and I learned two valuable lessons that day. Uh, and I'll share them with you in case you ever, if you've never been and you go to the ocean for the first time. Two valuable lessons. One thing I learned is that salt water is salty. I'd always heard that, but I just, I guess I didn't realize it. So when I got in the water and took a mouthful of water, it is salty. So trust me when I tell you that it's true. And the second thing I learned is the waves are powerful. Uh, when, when I, I saw the waves crash in, I thought, man, this looks so much fun. And I walked out into the ocean and got hit by a wave and knocked down. And, and what I learned was if, um, if you want to stand against waves, particularly if they're going to hit you about waist high or so, You've got to stand firm. You've got to be ready. You've got to lean into the wave. And when it rushes back in, you've got to kind of lean the other direction. You've got to be prepared or the wave will, will take you over. It's fun to stand in crashing waves, but you have to stand firm. Paul comes to, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, comes to the conclusion of his letter. And he speaks again. We, we spent the last couple of weeks as Paul's been speaking to some individual groups but but he changes his tack now and he speaks to the whole church uh, and and speaks to them some powerful powerful truth challenge and encouragement and, and this is where he starts in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter six starting verse ten he says finally now I know what some of you are thinking because uh, this is our last sermon on Ephesians so some of you are saying finally the last sermon on Ephesians but this is where he says finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God to, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, he goes on, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Stand firm. He sums up this last section, and it could be described as that thought of simply standing standing firm. We're going to look at three things that, that we see, kind of some three truths that come out in this text, uh, of this, these passages. Here's the first one. Be strong in his power. Look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now catch the inflection. This is how they would have understood it when, when they read this from the Greek. They would have realized this is what Paul was saying. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The, the Greek word there for, uh, verb for be strong was, was in the passive voice and it was in the present tense. And that would indicate two things. First of all, it would indicate something that was going to happen to them, not something that they would do. So in other words, when he says be strong in the Lord, it's be strong because that's going to happen to you. It's something you're going to receive, not something that you do. And, uh, in the present tense, it would imply uh, something that would continually happen, continuing action. So we're to be strong in the Lord, in His power. And here's the first thing you know, it's provided. It's not produced by us. The source of the strength was, was not them. It's not us. The power comes, instead it comes from God. We have to, we have to realize the source of the power. Uh, now, I want to share this with you. We, we bought this at a, um, and I'll, I'll take bids on this if you, if you want to bid on We bought this at a garage sale, probably for a dollar. It's in pretty rough shape. Our dog likes to chew on it. But, uh, but our grandson, Reed, he was here last week with us, loves this little lawnmower. And we leave it sitting outside our garage. So whenever he comes, if, if it's warm enough for him to be outside, he sees that, and he runs up to it and starts pushing it. I think it used to blow bubbles, but it doesn't do that anymore. His one he's got at home does. And, and I think what happened is his, his dad has a push mower, and he mows his yard with a push mower. So I think he's seen his dad mow his yard. So Reed just loves this. Like last weekend it was cold, so he went outside. Well, he got outside when we weren't watching. <laughs> Good grandparents we are. And uh, so we're like, where's he at? Just like church. He ran out of church and like running down the highway here. But uh, but he went outside once, and we, we found him. And, and so he pushed <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just for a moment. And uh, so he he gets the lawnmower, so he puts it in the house. So he mows in the house for a while, but he just loves his lawnmower. Now, I could have I could have Reed go in our front yard and, and go up and down. And we have a pretty good size front yard. I could even go up and down our front yard, just back and forth and back and forth until his little legs wore off. And he would never cut a single blade of grass because... Now, if the bubble thing worked, he could really throw some bubbles out, but, but there's no power in that mower. It's cool, he has a good time, he looks like his daddy, but there's no power. In, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, uh, there it says, So he said to them, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power. So what he's saying there, it's not you, it's not your might, it's not your power, but he finishes it with, with this, But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So, where where does the power come from? What's the source? It's not us. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, he says, 
Some trust in chariots and some in horses. He's talking really probably about kings and, and authorities. Some trust in their armies. It's what they can see. It's what they can provide. But this is what he, he goes on to say, the psalmist. Uh, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, it's not, it's not us. It doesn't come from us. From us. In fact, if we try to be strong in our power, we're probably, we're probably going to fail. So, so we have to realize the source. The second thing we have to do is we have to receive it. We, we have to realize that we're not, we're not strong enough to be strong in the Lord. It, and it comes from Him. It's not us, but we have to receive it. About once a year, once every summer, my wife will help me mow. Because um, I'll, I'll beg her, and then she's too busy doing other things. And Well, I could tell you stories, but usually it's easier if I don't have her help me. But, but usually about once a year, maybe we're, we're time frame, you know, if boy, she would mow a little bit, I could get the weed eating done, then I could get back on the mower, fix the stuff she messed up, and, and still would have gained a little bit. And uh, well, she's... She's got the more higher centered on a, a water meter one time, stuck in a ditch, and I mean, it, it's a story. So, so then a couple years ago, she agreed to help me, and so she she went in and changed, and she got her suntan lotion on, and she got her little cute little visor, and she came out and got on the mower, and she got on, and I'm, I'm reminding her, said, "Well, there's the emergency brake. You got to put the brake off to get it to go, and there's the throttle, and it's a zero turn." So I said, "Put those together," and I I know, I know, I know. I got got her my headphones and and I put my headphones on. I had Caleb on, so she's he's a good good father. Yes, he is. you know. And uh, and uh, so so she takes off, and I grab my weed there, and I, I look up, and she's just flying down my front yard. It's on a hill, flying down and flying up, and she did about what three or four passes. I thought something doesn't look right. Then I realized, so I I, I waved her down. Of course, she's just singing, just a. Mowing as fast as he go and just saying, he's a good man. And uh, so she finally sees him. She rolls up there, and I reach over, and I pull up the little knob that turns the blades on. <laughs> and I said, go. She just gave me a dirty look, and then she just kept on flying. So, so the reality is you, you, you have to recognize the source of the power. It comes from God. It's not us, but you have to. You have to plug into it somehow. You have to receive it. And, and what makes that happen, really where that comes from, is we have to recognize our, our need. Until we recognize that we have to plug into His mighty power, that it has to come from God, that we have to somehow figure out how we can put it on, until we recognize the need, we're going to come up short. Uh, this past Monday, I received a phone call from my friend Scotty. I've mentioned Scotty before in a sermon. Scotty's a firefighter in Southern California. He used to be with the Los Angeles Fire Department. His station was on Hollywood Boulevard. Reed and I visited him there one time. I got to go on a call with him. And literally, he, he was Hollywood Boulevard just a few blocks from the, uh, uh, from the, the Walk of Shame or Hall of Fame, whatever the, that, where people have their hands and stuff on the sidewalk. I, he works with a different department now, but, but Scotty called me on Monday and he, he said, hey, Tim, I just want to tell you this. I, I took the captain's test today. I said, oh, really? He said, I, I, I want to tell you how that went. He said, said it was tough. There was two parts to it, a written part, and he said the written part was really hard. Uh, the questions were just tricky enough. He said, just didn't know how well you, you did on it. But he said the second part of the test was, a, was an interview. And so I interviewed with uh, two or three guys, you know, the, the lieutenants or whatever from the fire department, interviewed with them. 
But I wanted to tell you this, what happened. He said, one of the questions they asked me was, tell us a time that, that, uh, that you had a struggle and were able to work through that struggle. And tell, tell us what you kind of learned from that difficult time. And it can't be related to firefighting, just something from your life, a time where it was a real struggle, something was hard, but you overcame it. And, and said, Tim, I want to tell him what I told them. So this is what I said. said, well, let me tell you about my friend Tim. Yo. And uh, he said, let me tell you about my friend Tim. So, so we met at a, at a uh, Everman's Battle Conference, which isn't quite right. We didn't really meet at the conference. It was later at a, uh, through the conference that we met. But, but we became accountability partners. And, 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 and what I learned was that, that I, could, I could talk about myself, I could talk honestly about all my problems. I could talk about my fears and my failures, my struggles and my sadness, my hurt and my heartache. And, and, and this, this was the cool thing. And then this is what he said. And I learned that I could find strength when I admitted my weakness. When I admitted my weakness, that's when I found I had strength. Paul here is telling us to be strong, we have to admit our weakness that it comes from, the power comes from him. He, he doesn't tell us to be strong in our power, or be strong in our efforts, or be strong in our trying, or be strong in ourself. Instead, be strong in his power. Now, I know the question that has to come to mind, and, and so you know, we're spending most of our time on this first point in the sermon, uh, before you think it's going to be an hour-long sermon. Uh, you're probably asking this question. It's the question I ask. What does it mean? How, how do I do that? If I'm to realize the source, if I'm to receive it, if I'm to recognize the need, then where does it come from? The, the reality is Paul has been answering that question throughout the book of Ephesians. It, it, it's not a secret here that he shares. It's not a three-point deal. If you follow these three points, you'll get it. He's been talking about it throughout the book. Now, let me read some verses for you and see if you can't figure out really how we plug into that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says this, He he chose us to be holy and blameless. Ephesians 1, 5, He predestined us to be adopted. Ephesians 1, 6, In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. Are you starting to see a little bit of a pattern yet? Ephesians 2, 13, But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Ephesians 3.12, in him and through faith in him we may approach the God, our God with freedom and confidence. Is it becoming obvious yet? And in Ephesians 2.8, we'll go backwards a little bit. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Where's it come from? It's simple. Through Him. In Him. Through what He did. That's where the power is. When, when my, my boys were little, we used to watch a movie called The Man from Snowy River. Has anyone ever seen The Man from Snowy River? You have? Great movie. Great movie. Let me give you a couple lines from it. You, you have to earn the right to, to live up on the mountain. That's one of the lines. So when you rent the movie, if you can ever... We got the v, VHS. You can borrow it. <laughs> Shows you how old it is. Uh, then you have to borrow a VHS player from someone. Uh, another line, uh, your dad was a, was a good mate, Jim. And that's, that's a key line in the movie. But there's a, there's a scene in the movie where, where the main character, Jim, is breaking a horse. 
Uh, and, and he starts out, it's a very expensive horse. He starts out by, by walking it around in the, the arena and then, and, and then he puts a saddle on and walks around and then he comes to the point, I guess when you, you have to do this to break a horse, I've never done it. He, he, he jumps up on the horse and then the horse just starts bucking and trying to kick him off. And I'm sure the horse is saying, get off my back. I guess that's what horses say when you're, when you're trying to ride him like that. But finally he breaks the horse. The horse starts calming down and slowing down and, and eventually has total control over this powerful animal. It's almost a spiritual moment, almost a magical moment, when the horse realizes that he has to submit to the will of the rider. The, the horse, and I don't know how that is, horses should realize, hey, we're, I'm still bigger than the dude, but, but, but he realizes, I'm not in charge. I submit. There's power when we submit to God. That's what Paul's been talking about throughout the whole book. And when he says to be strong in his mighty power, it's about submitting to Him. It's realizing I can't, but in Him I can. Realizing that I'm weak, but in Him I'm strong. Realizing that I'm a failure, but in Him I'm victorious. There's true power for the Christian life when we give ourselves to Christ. It's it's provided, but there's also a there's also a purpose. And here's the purpose: so we can stand. So we can stand. I, I talked earlier at the start about about standing out in the ocean. Uh, I don't know, it was about 10 years ago um, or, or so, we, we took a trip to, to Southern California with another couple, and their, their kids were the same age as ours. And, and, uh, and that year there was a hurricane way out in the Pacific that was causing the waves in Southern California to be larger and more powerful than normal. Uh, so it was great for us. I mean, the the, we were boogie boarding, and it was we just had a blast. But the waves were really big for us, and and they were strong. And there were many a time that we'd get knocked off or, or, or knocked down by a wave. And more than once, a wave would knock you down, and you would try to get up. And as soon as you got on your feet, a wave would hit you and knock you down. As soon as you get on the feet, it would rush back in, back out the ocean, and it would knock you down. There were times where we literally had to crawl out of the water up onto the onto the sand. Because the waves kept knocking you down. The reality is there will be times that the world will knock us down. There's going to be times that life will knock us down. There's going to be times when temptation and struggles and heartache and problems will try to knock you down. And that's why Paul says here, stand firm. Notice how many times he says it in these few verses. Verse 11, put on the the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Verse 13, Verse 13, he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when you, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Verse 14, stand firm. We are called to stand, be strong so that we can stand up. And here's the right, because we have to be strong because he's persistent. The, the reality is Satan is persistent. Look at verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I, I, I would, would like to believe that there is not a spiritual, that, that spiritual warfare is not taking on. I'd rather believe that that's not happening. I'd rather believe that there aren't powers and authorities that, that I can't see that are trying to knock me down and tempt me and pull me away. But the reality is Scripture tells us that it's there. Paul, Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He says it's there. 
Jesus recognizes that Satan is real. And, and the reality is whether I understand it or not, and just for the record, I don't understand it, whether I understand it or not, Satan is real. Be strong against his persistence because he's real. I, I've only seen this one time. I, I haven't hadn't seen it before, and I haven't seen it since, and I hope I never do. It's about 15 years ago. I was in, in Juarez, Mexico, on one of our trips. We were standing, myself and a guy named Larry Johnson, were standing at the back of the church uh, and, and, and talking to a local. There was a guy that had lived a couple blocks down that didn't go to that church, but he was a Christian, and he spoke English, and he had, I'd met him a few months earlier when I was down there. And so he dropped by and was talking to us, and a guy comes running up the street frantically yelling, and, and he, of course, he's speaking Spanish. So I don't understand what he's saying, but, but the guy that was there did. And basically what he said was he asked if we could come to his house. His sister was in bad shape. His sister, and what he said was his sister was demon-possessed. I looked at Larry, and this guy looked at us and said, let's go. And we're thinking, what in the world we're doing here? But we went with the guy down the road to this house, and... and I'm not exaggerating. It's the first and only time this has ever happened. I walked into that house, and you could feel the presence of evil. I don't know what it was, but I don't know if it was Satan. I don't know if it was the principalities of dark. I have no idea. But you could feel when you walked in, there was a darkness in that room. And they were holding this teenage girl down, and she was screaming and yelling. And, and she wasn't speaking English, and she wasn't speaking Spanish, but there were words coming out of her mouth that I have no idea what it was. And we began to pray for it. This guy that was with us prayed for it. Larry and I are praying for it. And she stopped one time, right in the middle, just screaming, stopped dead silent. And she looked at Larry and I. And if her eyes had glowed red, it wouldn't have surprised me anymore because she just looked at us. And it's, I felt, you know, the hair on my arms rose. It felt like I was looking at evil itself. Uh, I wish we could say, hey, we cast the demon out, and she got up and drank water and ate a meal. and you know, She kind of finally calmed down, and we left. But, but boy, I, I feel like I was in the presence of evil. And, and so Paul says it's, it's real. Another obvious thing is it's rough. Satan is rough. He doesn't play fair. He, uh, he wants to attack you in your weakest areas. If you have a problem with pride, that's exactly where Satan's going to attack you. If you have a problem, uh, if you have a problem with addiction, then Satan is going to lean that direction in your life. If you have a problem with your tongue, then Satan is going to attack you in that area. He doesn't play fair and he fights dirty. Uh, and that's how he fought Jesus. Remember, Jesus was, was baptized and he went out into the desert and fasted for 40 days. So he was physically tired and wore out and emotionally and everything. And that's when Satan came to him and tempted him. Hey, Take the easy way out. You're hungry? Well, well turn this stone into bread. And, and you, you, want, you want to be the king? Well, just bow down to me and I'll let you be. Satan t- tempted him when he was at his weakest. And when did he come back? I'm sure several times in his ministry. But, but the last night of his life, right after, uh, right after, right before he was to be betrayed in the garden, when, when his whole ministry was, uh, was hanging in the balance. And Satan was tempting him. You don't want to do this. Why go to the cross? I'm sure he reminded him, well, look at, look at your apostles over there that are sleeping. They can't even stay awake. They're going to deny you. Why would you go to the cross? And, I, and I'm wondering if Satan didn't bring up to him things in the future. Well, well, look at your servant Tim. He, he, look how he's denied you so many times. 
Why would you die for him? See, Satan takes us at our weakness, finds our weakest spot, and that's where he tempts us. Uh, But here's some good news. He is restricted. He is restricted. Kyle Snigrass says this, one of the key ingredients for Christian uh, for Christian living is a balanced perspective on evil. On the one hand, evil cannot be taken lightly. It's a destructive power against we against which we need vigilance. On the other hand, evil and its personalities are obvious frauds. According to the New Testament, Satan is more an annoyance than a great overpowering force. The threat of danger exists, but this enemy is d- defeated, is not in control, and is limited in power let me remind you that jesus won the victory satan is real and 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 he can be rough and he can tempt us but he's restricted Uh, first corinthians 15 55 says where O death is your victory where O death is your sting the sting of death and the power is the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god he gives us victory through our lord jesus christ therefore my dear dear brothers stand firm let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, but you, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The power of Satan is restricted by what Jesus did. And finally, be strong with his protection. Notice what he says uh, in that passage, starting down verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, uh, and pray in the Spirit in all times and be alert. We are to be clothed. We are to be clothed with the Spirit of the Lord. For, for the listener, they would have understood what he was talking about. He was talking about a Roman soldier preparing for battle. He had his shield, he had his breastplate, he had his helmet, he had, had, his, had his sandals on, he had, had a belt that would cover uh, his lower abdomen all the way down to his thighs. He was ready for, for battle. It's kind of like Coach Jasper, on, on Friday nights, this week on Saturday, he's going to send his boys out on the field. But, but, Jill, how would you feel if he sent Cutter out without a helmet? You'd be tackling, I don't know if you'd tackle Cutter first or the coach first. Come on, Cutter, show me your smile while you're out there running. You know, that's not going to happen. You're going to put the helmet on. And, and the shoulder pads, well, you don't need your, you can probably throw the ball better without your shoulder pads. Son, go out there and be the quarterback without your shoulder pads. It'll be easier. You'll throw better. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. How about the pads? How about, let's go out there barefoot, guys. That'll freak them out. You don't have any shoes on? (laughs) They won't know what to think. Yeah, they'll do. They'll stomp on your feet. That's what they'll do. The reality is you send them out prepared with, with their armor, with their helmet, their shoulder pads, their pads, their cleats. And that's what Paul said. We need to be clothed. We need to put on all of that stuff so that we're prepared. Notice, notice the only place for a Roman soldier that was not covered was his back. That's why he said, stand firm. He didn't say, turn and run. Hey, go, go hide back in the church building for a while. Gather with all your other Christians and just pray a little bit. No, he said, you guys have to stand firm against what Satan throws at you. Stand firm and you'll defeat him. Stand firm. Uh, and finally, finally, we need to be prepared. He tells us to pray and be alert. First Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 
resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. We're, we're called to be strong in his power against his persistence and with his protection. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you today for the reality that we, we have power. It's not a power that we provide or that we give that comes from ourselves, Father. It's a power that you give. Father, help us plug into that power so that we can resist the devil, we can draw near to you, and find protection in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, several years ago, a friend of mine, some of you uh, know her, have worked with her, a lady named Jenny Donaldson, was coming home from work. She works at the Atchison Hospital, or did, she just retired, was driving home, and, and driving along 59 Highway just outside of Rushville, and, and all of a sudden she noticed, it happened so fast that she didn't really know what was going on, she saw this huge black cloud start rolling towards her. Uh, and, and, and it took a while to even figure out kind of what was happening. But as it rolled to her, she started, she hit the brakes and started to pull on off to the shoulder because I, I don't know what's going on. She started pulling the shoulder. And as she tells it, as she told it to me, she just felt a presence. She was not an audible voice, but a presence that said, no, go on the other shoulder. And so she, she did. She, she didn't know why, but she did. She pulled across the lane of traffic, two-lane highway, across the lane of traffic, and over onto the opposite side shoulder and stopped. Just as she did, that black cloud engulfed her. Uh, and, and then she noticed the noise. There was just a sickening sound of metal and crashing. And, and, and finally, when the black cloud started to, to fade away, she realized what had happened. The, the, the coal train that had been coming along the Burlington Northern tracks right there had derailed, and coal cars had crashed into the uh, to, to the the median there, and coal and coal dust rolled. And when it finally cleared away, she glanced over on the shoulder where she was going to park, where she was was going to pull off, and there was a set of wheels and axle right where she would have been, that would have crushed her and and killed her instantly, probably. She walked away from that saying. I know it was God. I know it was God that said, go that way. Go that way. God's speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to you today. Uh, He's calling you to open up to him, to be obedient to him. His arms arms are wide open. Will Will you say yes?